G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. G'day and welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. Today's guest, really, really excited to share in a moment. He has a uh, very, very big following in the SEO community with his experiments and the content that he shares. We'll get to that in a moment. His name is Ferry Kazoni. We're going to dig into him in a bit more depth. For those that are tuned in for the first time, as I said, we do this every two weeks. I talk to the world's leading SEO minds and we find out you know, some of the successes they've had, some of their history, but then I want to dig into you know, the, the tactical stuff that I know the in-house you know, SEOs and CMOs and the like that are listening to this brand side, agency side, really dig. But I'm going to get straight to it, Ferry. I'm going to ask you one question and then we'll get into proper introductions. What is the biggest challenge facing SEOs in 2022? Well, the biggest challenge, uh, before I say hi to everyone, I think the biggest challenge is every niche is becoming more and more competitive. And in every niche, you have to be more and more aggressive and more relentless. So whatever whatever worked, let's say ten years ago in 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 a certain industry, you have to almost ten x your output and your the quality of your output now. So you have to be you know very way more competitive. You have to publish better content, better links, and I think I think SEO is becoming more expensive because as I said like it's becoming more and more competitive. All of these big companies are now trying to chew into the long tail you know, long tail keyword, long long tail topics uh, as well, which it, it wasn't like that 10 years ago. So I think the, you know, the gap of these quick opportunities, easy opportunities is kind of closing in and SEOs need to spend more time, more money on content and links and technical implementations. I think that's the biggest yeah. challenge. That's what I've seen across, you know, the spectrum. We've had a couple of guests who touched on that, especially guests that have been doing this for a long time. SEO is getting harder. Like the, you know, the, there's a lot more competition out there, as you say. The algorithm is getting better at understanding user intent, and you know, as SEOs, we just need to get. Uh, we're working a lot harder for that for that top space on the SERP, and so is everyone else. It's a, it's a, it's a race. Indeed, so, absolutely. Well, let's do a formal introduction. Ferry Kazoni, so pumped to have you on the on the podcast today. As I mentioned just before we started recording, I mentioned to a, a bunch of SEO friends that I had you on. And I was looking forward to picking your brain and they were like, oh, can you just ask him this one question and you can find out about this tactic or this and you're really keen to, to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, good good to be here. I'm, I'm really pleased. Um, before the before the podcast, I imagine like now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give value to everyone who listens. I'm just kind of visualizing yeah. how can I, you know, help. And I'm really, really happy to be here and to give away as much value as I can. So for context, what we'll be talking about today. So Ferry, if you're not following him on LinkedIn already, and you are an SEO, I, I just, I can't recommend highly enough. Ferry Kazoni, look him up on LinkedIn, follow him. He's been doing these SEO experiments around digital PR and, and link building and some amazing case studies he's been able to share over the last period of, of you know, the last few years. That's how I started following him. So we're going to talk a bit about those experiments. We're going to talk about PR link building tactics and strategies. 
Before we get there, though, I'd just love to find out a bit more about yourself. You know, not many people finish. Maybe they do these days. But I know when I did like, you know, university and marketing and everything else, I didn't come out and go, oh, wow, I want to help help websites rank in Google. I want to be an SEO. So I'd love to get a feel for your first marketing gig. Like what, what sort of took you down this route? So the first marketing was um, back at, I think, around 2008 when I started playing with uh, Blogspot blogs, which is mm. crazy. And it was like all on like XML and, and some JavaScript. So I started playing with them and I, then I published an article. I've heard on the radio that there's been some water found on the moon. And I look at the stats and it, sh- it has shown that I had like 20,000 20, visitors on that page that I wrote about. And I like, How can that be? And I, I check it on Google and I rank like number one for like water on moon. Back in 2008, because the news broke out and nobody was searching for it, and I wrote an article and it ranked, and I just got hooked immediately. Yeah. Um. And and ever since then, I've started, you know, looking for patterns, looking for ways to rank on Google, and um, yeah, I've done all all kind of crazy uh, experiments. But this, you know, water on the moon article was my first encounter with SEO, and my, you know, the first real adrenaline rush when you. Just yeah. type in a keyword, boom, the SERP appears and you're number one. And like, oh my God, the best feeling yeah. ever. Did you write the piece with Google in mind? Like, were you thinking, I want no. this to rank? Mm, no. I, I don't think so. I, I just wanted to write about an interesting topic I've heard on the radio, in the in the news. So it was actually a, a news on the radio. I went home, I wrote the article, published it, and within like a few hours, I had like thousands of visitors, like crazy. So what was your experience from there? Were you working like as a consultant or brand side, agency side? Like how did mm. you develop and learn? Well, my, my story is quite unexpected, but hopefully inspiring. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not an SEO as a you know profession. In fact, I, I don't even, and I'm not proud of it. I, I wish I would have a university and even high school, but we are so poor when I was a child that we didn't have things to eat. So I was actually a paint spray, a high-end paint spray. I was restoring cars are painting yeah. classic cars for 16 years. That was my actual profession. But in the nighttime, I used to go home and code. So I worked 10 hours a day at a body shop. And then eight hours, the rest of the eight hours that I was awake, I used to do SEO and you know coding, building websites at home. And it went on for quite a long time. I think my, my first actual encounter, like work at an agency was my, my own agency because I didn't have the confidence that I'm going to be hired by an other SEO agency. Therefore, I started taking clients as a freelance. And then I set up my own limited company, which was, by the way, like one man band for many years until I really started scaling. But I just I just thought mm, nobody would, would employ me, which which was a wrong assumption. I could I could have like I could have found a job looking back now easy easy with you know just with the enthusiasm and with the passion for SEO even if I didn't have experience it was it would have been easy to find but because I thought I could not find I said the easiest way is to just set up my own agency and start taking clients on freelance platforms and it kind of worked out so that's how I merged from you know working at a body shop painting restoring cars or even painting supercars to like doing like having my own SEO agency I created a company that could hire me, right? <laughs> because I didn't believe yeah. I, I can be hired. Um, so who are you looking up to? Like, how are you learning? How are you, how are you getting? Of course, lots of YouTube, lots of articles. But I think one, there was a company, and I think they still exist. I'm not even talking about this nowadays because, of course, it's irrelevant. But there was a company mm. called Vanilla Circus London. And what they had is I discovered that they had 
a massive PBM of hundreds of domains with lots of, you know, random pages based on topical clusters, but all like copy paste, all like really thin three, four paragraphs of content. And they were linking to their clients. And this was back in 2013. And I was fascinated. I was obsessed with it. I, I had all of their domains. Even now, if probably if I look on Google Drive, I still have the old domains. And I, I used Ahrefs and all like IP, re reverse IP checking tools to, you know, see how they were smashing it. They were ranking their clients like crazy with these, you know, PBNs, with hundreds of PBNs. Yeah. I was so obsessed with it. I started building the, the same websites, PBNs, I was buying domains, building PBNs, and it kind of worked back in those days. So I had a phone repairs client and I replicated that strategy and I built about 10 phone repairs websites, but they were all fake. And then I linked back to the client's website and the client's website just went crazy, even without those websites having any links. So I thought, wow, this, like link building is crazy. And then I started, you know, looking, always looking for new methods of link building. And that's, that's where I started from, like lots of YouTube, of course, Rand Fishkin was a prominent person back then. Even now, yeah. I mean, even now I watch his uh, videos. I was just watching lots of YouTube stuff and that's how I kind of gradually learned. I love that. I remember working, I was actually an events, experiential events agency in the late 2000s. And I remember we had an SEO agency and I used to do some of the on-site stuff for our site. And like, you know, you've got like white background. Okay, do it in white text. You know, that sort of stuff. It was, And that's like, that used to work. Yeah, it used to work. So. I mean, looking back yeah. now, yeah, it's, it's black hat, but back then it was yeah. the thing. It, that was the actual SEO work. So then how did you go from, like, you obviously found like a real passion for, for link building. You know, you're building PBNs, you're seeing how it's working for other other businesses, you're building them for yourself. Where, where was the kind of turning point where you started looking to that more as a, like a PR link building type exercise? Like, was it because the PBN building didn't work anymore or was it, did you stumble on something accidentally? I'd love to know how you kind of got there. Yes. Obviously, PBNs are not, yeah, there are some good PBNs that work, but most of the PBNs are not working now. And we started, I started doing blogger outreach, which is still working, by the way. I've had great success with blogger outreaches, but then I said, like, there's got to be a better way. And I've looked and right as the pandemic was going on, I've seen these little yeah. digital PR agencies popping up. I said, this is a very interesting way to build links, like using PR to actually earn the links, which is White Hat. So... That's when I started, you know, I said, I'm going to figure it out. Just like the rest, you know, of my SEO career, I kind of figured it out. I said, I'm going to figure this out. And then we hired a person um, on our team who was like a very experienced PR. In the first two or three months, we launched lots of stories and nothing happened. So frustrating. Nothing happened. No links. Our client, like we are actually selling the service. Like, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. We can build your links, PR yeah. links. And so we just figured out and we, we just, we just had to push the clients say like, we're getting there. Like we, we're almost getting there, but eventually like after three months, it just clicked. So, you know, things just started working suddenly. We, we refined the process. We learned and learned and learned. And after three months, we managed to l land our first successful big campaign for our client. And ever since then, now we had a blueprint and we just replicated that blueprint. And then we told other people to do it. And now we can do it at scale. We now have, of course, um, 40 people on the team and we keep on, you know, replicating the, the recipe and bringing new people into the system. So that's how it all started. It started with like big frustration, three months, yep. no links, no success. And so was that just refined? So you had like an idea of how this is going to work and you tried that, you, you sold it in, you tried that with a few clients. What were the learnings? Like what was not working? in that first little period and then 
How did you iterate? I was figuring out what journalists actually want. I think that was yeah. the, that was the turning point when you know eventually, and I see this. You know, I share all of my all of my secrets to say like that on social, and it's it's all there. But but the fact that you have to figure out what what journalists want when when you figure that out, it's going to be easy. And people message me like, oh, I've got this story. I've sent it out and nothing happened. And when I look at the story, I can see myself right at the beginning. We had the same stories. Like we think it's interesting, but it's not quite that interesting. And you cannot see it because you have a filter and you don't have enough experience. So once that filter is gone and you start having the experience, then you you start you know creating stories that you know journalists will love. Just understanding the media landscape is the most important part. Even if you know all the process, everything is still hard until you actually figure out what journalists want. And so you had you mentioned you had you had a PR person in house. Yeah, Was... well, we employed a PR person for like to begin with, and then we started employing more and more PR people. So I think that's that's where it all started. Like if you want great success, then you need somebody who's got some kind of experience in PR. Otherwise, you're going to struggle. Yep. So how does that work then? So if you say your clients, right, do they have their own PR team? So you've got in-house PR because you need that to be able to look through this from a journalist lens, right? And I get that. Yeah. But does a client typically have a PR team as well? Or are they leaning on you for that? Or are you working some, with them? like some of them, Some of them have, but we don't want to interfere with their PR department. So we always say, so now the hardest thing that the client has to do is to there's a little pay now button on the invoice and to click that button Mm -hmm. and to pay the invoice. That's the hardest bit that every client has to do. We can take it from there and we can launch the stories on behalf of them. We can come up with the ideas. We create the content so the client doesn't have to move any finger. And that's that's how refined our process is now. Some clients do want to get more involved and we are happy with that as well. But in most cases, we we don't need the client's involvement. Really? I'm curious about that. Like in terms of like coming up with topics or understanding like the nate because you know the clients understand their vertical and their product yeah better than i imagine you guys do so then are you well, picking that out of your clients brains or do you, are you do you pick certain industries that work well or you talking the thing about- is the thing is we don't even care about the client's product and i know it sounds brutal when whenever we say to the clients they start talking about their products and yes we listen but, but, but then we have to we have to remind them that journalists don't care about you or your product they care about a story yeah. that's interesting to their yeah. audience we, we know your product is great and you know and you're excited and we are excited, but journalists will not be excited. And if they are not excited, they will not give, give, give us and they, they will not give us any links. They will not give us any coverage, right? So yep. what we do is, for example, if it's an, a car insurance company, right? We cannot just go to journalists and say, oh, this client of ours is the best car insurance company in the UK and nobody will care. But if you say this car insurance company has analyzed the UK's roads um, and uh, data from Office of National Statistics, and and they found that this area in the UK is the safest place to drive, or this area in the UK is the most dangerous place to drive. Now, Mm -hmm. that's when they say uh, a recent study by A-Plan Insurance, and then they give us the link, has concluded that Birmingham is the most dangerous place to drive in the UK. Boom, link. And then we can send it to regional journalists um, to you know, Oxfordshire or East of England. But we, we can send it to ver- various you know, regional publications and that's how we you know, target different journalists that will likely give us the link because of the story. There's a bunch of questions I want to dig into. No, go for it. The link itself, are we asking for follow links? Or does it matter well, if it's no follow link? It's a process? healthy mix of both. So we know that Google has now got clear guidelines on 
the do follow or no follow directive. No follow is now a hint, which mm -hmm. means Google can can treat it as a, as a natural link, uh, no, as, as a do follow link, right? So we don't we don't measure a do follow no follow. We just measure links. We don't care about mm -hmm. placements. We don't care about just brand mentions. There are some agencies who care about it, but we don't care. All we care about is is it a link. If we could dig in, dig in on that a little bit more. So you, you literally don't classify, you don't go, okay, there's this many followers, there's this many no followers. It's no. just how many links? It's, yeah, how many yep. links? It, usually it's a, it's a mix of like both. So it's 50-50 it's usually, yep. right? That's It's the most natural link profile you can ever get. Do you go through, you might not even get this granular if you're just going for a big volume of links, but I'm, I'm curious, are you going through and looking for some kind of definition on link quality? Like are yeah. you running so, them all through? Yeah, like, we, have, we have some metrics that we, we guarantee a minimum number of links and some of the links, a part of the links will have to be your DR70 plus and uh, 1 million, 1, 1 million similar, similar web traffic. So we actually, ah. like we, we really want to impress the client. I would not feel good if I only, you know, had to do, if, if I only share it with the client, like, oh, here's like five DR30 links. Like mm -hmm. the clients will not be happy. I would not be proud of it, right? So we are always, you know, resending stories if it didn't land as we wanted and we always want to get these high tier links in uh, as, a, as a mix of you know we'll have dr 50 dr 60 dr 80 dr 90 um so we, we're just trying to reach out to as many journalists as possible and well, i want to circle back on one thing and then i want to come back to the journalists but we, we spoke about and this was really interesting where you don't you don't care about the product you're not going to go to a news outlet and go hey look at our insurance company it's got the most amazing deals on insurance no, like no. i don't care it's about no. the story so i like that You've got a product marketing <clears throat> team who look after product marketing. Yeah, indeed. But what indeed. you're looking for is stories. Like Cover, we're yeah. using stories as an ability to build links, am I right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. Insights, yep. stories, even Google Trends. Google Trends is a gold yep. mine for building links because journalists don't really have time to think about, you know, what could they be searching for, you know, like if, if something happens in the world, what could people be searching for? Journalists don't have this you know, creativity and don't have the capacity because it's a one, one man band, right? A journalist. We have a team of 40 mm -hmm. people. There's always on Slack, yeah. there's always somebody posting something about, oh, have you seen guys, this just happened. Uh, are there any searches on Google that are exploding and then people come up with ideas. It's impossible for one journalist to constantly come up with these, you know, insights and ideas. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where our leverage really comes from, like having a like a multiple brains merged together into you know, one one mission, right? And I think that's yeah. where that's where we we can actually, you know, have something extra for journalists. I'm curious, though. So around the journalists, like how, how are you building this list of journalists? Is this something which is just happening organically over time, or is it PR people coming in and they've already got a list of contacts? Like, yeah, that, that's a very interesting one because we we don't really have relationships with them. We just cold email them based on what they have covered previously in the publication. We are using tools such as Rockhill and Mockrack. So with these tools, you can search for the title of um, articles, and then we can get the journalists who wrote those titles. So we can just say who to, who wrote about you know car insurance or like dangerous roads in the past one year, and Roxhill.com will give us a full list of journalists who wrote about that topic in um. any area that we select. If we say in the UK, it will give us a list of thousands of journalists that that we can then just pitch you know based on their topic on based on their coverage. So it's cold, but it's not really cold. I mean, it's quite targeted. Like you're going it's, to people yeah. who've written and they about want, in the past. And they love, they love these stories. They want these yeah. stories. We actually consider ourselves as the research department of journalists. Every time somebody joins our team, we say, we are 
the research department of journalists. We help mm. them. We give them stories and we are helpful to them. So that's how we approach. That's the philosophy that we are you know, adopting every time we are doing any work, any PR work. So and this is a like a, a like a giant leap in that value exchange. When you think about blogger outreach, hey, I've got this site. It's got high domain authority. Why don't you link here? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like the, there's that it's, kind of bland approach. But if you think of yourself as actually we are a valuable resource for journalists, even having that mindset is going to change the work you put into the research. It's going to change the tone of the copy. Yeah. Like you, you might not be building a relationship relationship, but you're definitely building credibility. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a great. I think that's a vital for you guys to be able to get connection, get get links, is to build that credibility as a as a really valuable resource for journalists. One hundred percent. It's it's every time a journalist sees an email from our agency, they know, you know, it's coming yeah. from a place of value. It's coming from yes, we do say, well, if you use this story, can you please link to our client? But even if they don't link, we're not going to just you know be nasty with them. If they don't link, yep. it's fine. But most of the time they link because over and over again, we send them stories and they see our agency popping up in the, in their feed with valuable content. So mm-hmm. it kind of works quite, quite, quite well both ways. So then if we think about traditional PR, where it can be quite tough to quantify value, you know, they might talk about, you know, the, the value of the ad space that they're getting for free, that sort of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. How, how do you quantify the value to your clients? Is it... Is it organic traffic lift? Is it rankings? Is it uh, links? Like what, what's links, the, yeah, num- what's number it? of links, yeah. Our KPIs are links. Within six months, the client usually sees a great uplift in, in organic rankings. So we had yep. a client, you can even look it up, eachnight.com, and we built them yep. like hundreds of links in, in a few months. And since October last year, the organic visibility doubled in Samrush, everyone can look it up. And are there are there any particular industries or niches where your style of of research and outreach and ability to draw links and grow traffic work better than others? Like, is it is insurance or travel? Or I'm just curious. Yes, I think travel is re- is a really good one. Travel yep. is a good one. Automotive is a good one as well. And fitness and lifestyle, excellent niche for link building. Fashion, again, a very good one. There's always some chit-chat yep. about a celebrity who wears um, a red dress and then what happens, a spike, like Google searches for a red dress always goes up if Adele is going to wear a red dress. So that's a good story, yeah. you know. That's a good insight. Yeah. But yeah, I think most industries, because we can, we can tie it in. I think we had a VPN client mm-hmm. and whenever some Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg is messing something up, and then people start Googling like delete Facebook. And then we guess, oh, searches for delete Facebook exploded 1,800% yeah. because yeah. as a result of Mark Zuckerberg I know, doing something crazy. And then yeah. our VPN client who is like helping people have more secure apps, it's relying on app, apps to, you know, operate. Then we can tie yeah. it into this, you know, delete this app from the phone. And then they also give some other advice for how to keep your phone safe. So we can piggyback on any almost any event and we can you know, twist the angle a little bit so we can fit our client in. And then just to be clear, so the, the journalists are writing the content. You're just giving, like, what's the structure of the, the seed of that story that you provide them? So it, it really depends on, on the type of the press release. Mm. If, it's a, if it's a Google Trends base, then we outline what happened, like searches for this topic exploded, and then we explain why. And then we also give some expert advice or expert opinion on 
why it happened or what can be done. That's a typical Google Trends reactive story. And we have export commentary where we actually take and the client's you know knowledge and mm. we put you an email. For example, with our sleep client, I just had a myself. I just sent out a successful campaign about what time you should put your kids to bed. And then we yeah. sent this, you know, advice out to journalists and everyone was talking about it and it landed like, I know, 10 or 15 links or whatever. So yeah. in that case, we just open up with two paragraphs and then we give the advice. It's just free content, free insights for the journalists that they can reuse into their own publication. And then at the bottom of the email, we always say like, can you please link to this website? We, we go for, for the sale, right? As they say it. We've got lots of, you know, consultants who listen to this podcast. Probably lots of them follow you. I imagine they would. They're probably following you. They're looking at the case studies. They're looking at what you're doing. What would you think are like some of the key steps if they were like, okay, well, I want to start doing this type of link building experiment for my clients. What do you think are like the three main things that they need to go tick, tick, tick? Step number one, buy a media database. But without that, you cannot really do manual you know, journalist research. It's, it's going to be impossible to scale or to have any consistent success. So just invest in a media database. It costs around five to six six thousand pounds a year, and they just have to you know jump in and invest. Once you have it, I think the best way to do it is look looking at other companies who do digital PR, and look at some of their ideas, and then try to reangle them and do your own research. But use the knowledge that you have. Like, well, that that idea, that company landed. Let's see why, and then you can even redo it. You can redo other people's campaigns and then most likely if you redo it after three or four five months after they've done it you can actually have the same success so just learn from other agencies that's what we've done we just mm -hmm. we actually and i know it sounds bad but we spy on most of the other digital pr agencies that's what we do we we, we know yeah. all of the other agencies campaigns and we play around a lot with everything so we just spy the competitors ethically right it's a capitalist world as long as we don't break the law, we, can, we, we scrape websites, we gather lots of information and use it to our advantage. And that's what, everyone, what, what people should be doing if they really want to be you know, leaders in, in this. Or, or even if they just want to jump in, they just have to inspect other people and, and learn from them. Well, one more question, then I'll get into our Vox Pop. Are any of the links, are any of them sponsored or paid links or is this just pure digital PR? No, we never we never pay for the links. We It would be a massive insult if we had to pay for the links because we mm. know we work hard to create these stories. And it's counter to the whole ethos of it. Like you're, the whole point is you're creating the best stories and becoming the best resource. Yeah, indeed. If they're then asking you to pay for it, then we're not creating the best yeah, stories. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Ferry, that was amazing. I'm going to get into Vox Pop, but I'll, if, if you're up for it, I'd love to get you back and just to, to dig into detail just in one particular case yeah, study and maybe run through it. For today, we, we, we are wrapping up in a moment. So what I'll do is I'll run through our Vox Pop. So I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. First thing that pops into your head, just say it out loud and then we'll move on to the next. All right, ready, set. Which previous Google algo change still keeps you up at night? The one from May 2020. I had a website and I, I created a few hundreds of thousands of pages about coronavirus cases for every city yep. in the world, every location in the world. And I was yep. making like crazy, like many thousands of pounds per month in just passive income from ads. And this May yep. Google update comes in and it just smashes my website. It's just, it just ravaged. And it, I lost all the traffic like almost overnight. Wow. I was eating. I remember I was eating my dinner. I was watching like the live Google um, analytics, live traffic. And I had like 700 or 800 oh people 
uh, on my yeah. website and I was eating and I was just refreshing and like, wow, my God, this is so amazing. And that may, may update just, you know, we just turned everything upside down. So I'm, I'm always nostalgic about the pre, the pre May 2020 uh, Google update when everything was so cool with this, you know, I started the website in February and by yeah. May I had like, I think I had days when I had like hundred thousand users per day on the website. Wow. Because everyone was looking for, you know, coronavirus cases in Ipswich, coronavirus cases in Oxford. And I, I yeah. was even ranking number, not, not page one for coronavirus Paris uh, or London. I was page one for these keywords. I'm like, oh my God. Gun to your head, which do you prefer, content or links? Content. What's the most effective, oh, this question I ask everyone, I think we've just spent a whole episode on it, but what's the most effective link building technique you have used? PR link building is the most effective yeah. one, but I'm not dismissing the blog outreach or even buying expired domains and three or one redirecting them. Those are also really good. But PR link building, of course, that's why we have specialized in this now. What do you love most about SEO? The fact that you can be the small David and you can take on Goliath. You can be yeah. a nobody and in six months you can dominate certain aspects of a, of a niche. It's endless opportunities. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? Well, I think the SEO principle that I apply to my life is, first of all, if things go wrong, just pick up and go because things will go wrong with SEO. Google update comes, yeah. something comes, you know, a competitor starts investing a million pounds in SEO and you're done. So just pick up and move on and try, try different things. What's your preference, work from home life or office life or hybrid life? Hybrid. Uh, SEMrush or Ahrefs? Ahrefs. I mean, I'm using both, but, but if I had to choose, it would be Ajax. Agency versus in-house versus combo. What do you think is the best, the best mix? I think agency. Agency are cool. Ferry, that's it. Thank you so much. Just got like, you know, 40 plus minutes of absolute just value, value, value. Lots of really good stuff for SEOs starting down this path and really interesting to hear how you got there yourself and your first forays into SEO. Mm. So thank you so much for your time and for, for sharing your, your story. Well, true pleasure, and I hope I hope people enjoy it. I hope I hope I gave gave away great value, and I hope I helped. That's uh, been another episode of SEO Success Stories. I'm definitely going to ask Ferry to come back on, and, and we'll dig into one of those case studies. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow Ferry Cazzoni on LinkedIn. Is that where the case studies all are? Is it yeah, LinkedIn? yeah, yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is. And yeah, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, give us a review, Apple, all the other platforms. That is SEO Success Stories with Ferry Cazzoni. My name's Russ McCumber. Thanks so much for listening. 